This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yeah, I had kind of an eventful week, I would say, at least uh, on Twitter, as I'm sure you probably noticed. Before we get to that, and I definitely have plenty to say about that, let's, uh, let's start with something else. Let's start with some baseball. I think we should just ease into this with some baseball, and then we'll go to the other topics. Oh, really? Do you want to bury the lead? All right, fair enough. Yeah, you definitely had a more eventful week than myself, that's for sure. So uh, I'm down to talk baseball. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very into baseball, watching it all day. It's great. Love, love baseball. Yeah, I've, I've been frustrated because my main event, my other teams, I've just, I picked up, I think in the uh, second, the last beat Chris Lee, Chris Lisley, you have a really good team in, I'm in it with you. The one where I took Lance Lynn over Corbin Burns in the fifth, and I was thinking about Burns. Uh, did you get Burns in that league? You know, in the, in the 12 teamers, I don't know what I was thinking, but I, I, I did not. I got him in two main events, but okay. not, not in the, the beat Chris Liss one. No, I took Lance Lynn over him that league. I, you know, I have Tatis and he's back for now, but you know, it was doing okay. And then I got Lance Lynn hurt. So I had to sub in for him. And who do I pick up? I pick up Joe Ross and Joe Ross gave up <laughs> like 10 runs or something in that game. Oh yeah. I have good pitching in that league. I have Lynn Kershaw and Scherzer who've all been good, but so, and that one, you know, those, those 12s are, are one thing, but it's the main event that I really care about. And I just feel like my team is so good and I just keep making errors like i had corbin on my bench this week but rich hill in the lineup and he got shelled and corbin pitched well mm-hmm. and then uh my team i've matt olsen it's it's in last place but it's got all these hitters like stanton and glaber torres and matt olsen and it just loaded yohan Moncada. a lot of them haven't done much besides olsen but trent grisham but it's you know it's i've got the players like i'm like this is going to start coming up and then juan soto goes on the dl you know it's like it's one thing when you get off to a slow start and you're like, okay, it's a slow start. It'll turn around. But then somebody gets hurt. Who's like the most important player on your team. So I'm bitching a little bit. Everybody gets injuries. I actually haven't even had that many injuries, but I just, it's just disappointing. I've been working hard on my fab. I've been doing all this stuff, agonizing over my lineups. And, uh, and then I just, you know, get the Soto injury. So I know you're having a better start than I am. Yeah, we do have Soto in league of leagues and Acuna went down. There's been some big injuries with the bats. Um, and man, this one is just, it's just crazy. But Lamette lasted, Dennelson Lamette lasted two innings and left with forearm soreness. I mean, if that wasn't just, uh, it's crazy. Oh, I didn't know, that. Uh, I didn't almost, know that. I wasn't, yeah. was, but that's, that was kind of the, the risk, right? Like it was like, okay, he's I know, back. but literally two innings. No, I avoided him everywhere too, yeah. but I just think that's, that's just funny. Literally two innings. Yeah. I mean, that's his, yeah. So I think he's, <laughs> he's probably set to undergo the knife, but yeah, I, um, I, uh, yeah, I was in two, two of my Rotowire online championships were in the top 25 overall last night. Um, so I, yeah, it's been up to a, a good start. So I, I, it's, yeah, I'm sure it'll all go to hell soon, but so far so good with my, uh, pitcher having strategy. So, um, I, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, in, enjoying baseball, but I'm sure the injuries are, sh- are sure, surely just right around the corner. I have, I have Giolito in a couple of leagues. So, I mean, you know, the pain's, yeah. the pain's starting. I mean, that was 8 a.m. that, you know, the Monday oh, morning. Cool. I mean, it was, before he'd be getting out of bed and then LaRusa brought him out for the second inning for more. I mean, so I, I have him in a main and in a league with you. So, I mean, it's the hits will definitely uh, start coming, but yeah, no, I've off to a, off to a good baseball start. And even my San Francisco giants are like good I, in a division with the Padres and Dodgers is, is pretty hopeless for this year, but the rebuild is starting a little earlier than expected. And it's really weird with baseball. Like I'm just convinced that like, I, I mean, you get in, it's not just the making the right decisions, but it's the, whatever the development, the people behind the scenes. I mean, you got these Descofanis and Alex Woods and um, Aaron Sanchez and Kevin Gossman. They all just perform better. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just interesting that baseball can just have, uh, it's just the behind the scenes guys that often uh, turn around the franchise, not just the ability to draft the, the prospects. Yeah, it's a lot of development that happens in some uh, organizations. Like the Indians always develop pitchers. Like, I don't know how, but they just keep churning out pitchers they lost bauer and they lost carlos carrasco and they lost Corey kluber but they have shane bieber and they have 
you know, they lost Clevenger. I mean, there's so many guys. And, you know, they just keep churning out new aces on that team. And some teams don't develop, you know, the Orioles, like it's kind of, if you're in, it's a, it's a tough park to develop pitchers, but they just don't develop any. And Gossman gets out, Bundy gets out and they're really Bundy, good, yeah. you know, and we'll see if Alex Cobb is good. I mean, he didn't start out in Baltimore, but it's a thing. It's, it's hard to say how much is, is development and park or just the environment, but it's definitely a thing. So um, I was going to brag about one thing. So I have Giolito and AL Tout. And of course that was a, horrible outing on monday and in a only league my whip was still under one after the giolito start <laughs> yeah that's, that, that's, that's impressive that's because yeah. i had like rodon I had <laughs> all these i just had all these crazy you know in, insane performances from the pitcher so that's my one good team right now i still i love my main event team if if, if soto is out you know for 10 or 12 days if he's out for a month i'm, I'm in trouble but I still like the team. I just, it's just like I needed to. Matt Olson's uh, doing well, but I just need these guys to start hitting. You know, Stanton needs some home runs. Glaber Torres hasn't done anything, so I just need those those kind of core guys to hit. But yeah, it's fun. I, I'm just trying to. Pianowski actually, uh, I don't know. I don't know why. I've, I've done this for 25 years, and for some reason, like Pianowski said something that just kind of changed my mindset a little bit. I, you know, I was saying I just can't take it. All these mistakes I make, and you know, I'm sitting the wrong guy, starting the wrong guy errors that are like you know there's it's just like lineup setting in football that you're oh there's 50 50 call you're gonna make errors i mean you can't how many 50 50 coin flips or you're even 40 60 are you gonna get right well you're gonna get a ton of them wrong and it just drives me crazy how many errors i make and he's like well you know i think you're looking at it wrong you don't have to be perfect you just have to be better than the average not the average guy but better than everybody else who's also making a million mistakes and it kind of made me feel better i was like yeah i don't have to get these right i just have to get them right more often than everybody else and I, it's just like, because I just can't take it. I just can't take sitting Alex Cobb when he struck out 10 last week and then sitting Corbin this week and having Corbin in last week. So it's just, you know, I need to just relax and just, okay, I'm just going to do a good job of setting these lineups and that's it. I had Rodon on my bench in one main event and two OCs. And I mean, that was a perfect game. I mean, it was because right. it was a zero whip. I mean, yeah. it's so, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's bad i mean what if i'm at the end of the year really am in contention oh, i mean that could be pressure oh, but the reason that why screw you that will kill you i mean if you're in contention a, a perfect game i mean hmm. what that's going to do for your whip i mean it's yeah. these things matter and you can never get them back but then again you're probably going to luck into some stuff you know where like you made a great call that you might not have made and and he was like Ill, injured or ill. He was ill at the beginning of the right. week. So I really and a lot of those teams are tw- the twelve teamers. I'm pretty loaded in pitching, so I'm not like you know overly upset. It's like he legitimately had an injured sign on him when you were making that decision. So it's like unclear if he was even going to start that week. So, um, but um, anyway, I will. It was I will, Carlos Rodon. Yeah. I mean, you know, before yeah. that no hitter, it was some That's dude. A, I, mean, I mean, come right. on, he was some dude who like was once a prospect a long time ago and had been injured a ton and looked decent in spring training. That's all he was. I mean, it wasn't like, you know. Yeah, I'm happy that I have him everywhere. I remember I was going to say now. I think why your mindset is that way, though, and mine is too, is because we have the overall in our head is probably what it is. Like, that's why we feel like we need to be perfect. Like, our, 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 you know, our aim is high. So that might be it. Because in a normal league, you're right, you know, just better than 12 other guys or 11 other guys or whatever. But maybe in our heads, we just have this overall goal. So we feel like you got to be pretty much perfect. Maybe, maybe there's something to that. What do you think? I think there is, but I did hear you. I did hear you say that on the XM show. And that was my counter in my head to you is that I think you're probably thinking more overall. Well, I am, but I remember when Glenn Schroeder won it and we had him on the radio show. This is 2015. Yeah, he made a bunch of mistakes, right? And I said, because I, you know, I made the fatal mistake. I picked, I've told the story a hundred times, but I picked Michael Waka over Arietta that year. And Arietta was one spot above him. He's the highest on my cheat sheet. I need a pitcher. In round seven, oh, I, I saw this Harvard guy say that spring training actually does have some predictive value or whatever, even though everybody says it doesn't. And, you know, they were pretty close, and Waka had a way better spring. So I took Waka. I just, you know, made a judgment call and moved him up, you know, picked him ahead of Arietta, even though he's one spot below him on the cheat sheet. Next pick, Glenn takes Arietta. Arietta wins the Cy Young with like a 170 something ERA uh, and wins the whole thing. And I take 12th, one spot out of the, the overall money. I finished second in our league. And, I don't think I win it with Arietta, but I probably finished third. He almost certainly doesn't win it if if that gets reversed, right? I mean, because you had you know the best pitcher right. in baseball, he deserved to win. I made the bad pick. He capitalized. That's that's what everybody does at every pick. But anyway, that's just a side note that I screwed that up. But <laughs> so we had him on the show afterward, and he you know he won the whole thing, 
And I think he might have, he didn't win it before, but he was, he'd won a lot of stuff before in that league. And I said, you know, did you make a lot of errors? Because I think I probably had the same feeling back then, like all the screw-ups I made, including that pick. And he's like, oh, I made tons of errors. You know, he was just like, now he wasn't even close to perfect winning the main event. So yeah, he obviously, did, I like hearing that he, he did a great job, obviously, you know, he did better than anyone else, but you know, not even close to perfect because when you look at the math, yeah. you know, it's like trying to guess somebody's seed in Bitcoin. It's like two to the 256, like you're not going to get it. You know, if you understand what that number is, you're just not going to get it. If you do the math of these, you know, two to the 250, two times two times two, 256 times. Well, you probably have 256 decisions that are close to 50-50. Maybe not. Maybe you have 100 decisions, 150 lineups, free agents, what to be, you know, over the course of a year, you might have two, you know, whatever, something like that many decisions. And if they're close to 50-50, to get them all right would be like, you know, picking out somebody's Bitcoin seat, basically. So it's the math is overwhelming uh, that, that you would get it right. You're going to make, you're going to get at least 30% wrong. You know, you're probably going to get at least 35. It's like picking games against the spread. It's like, you're, you know, you're not going to go 256 and 0. You're going to go, um, by the way, it's kind of cool that Bitcoin is 2 to the 256. And so is, uh, well, now if they, the 17th week, they're going to screw this up. But that's the same chances of getting every game right against the spread for a whole year. Hmm. 16 and 0 every right. week. Isn't that crazy? Right. There's that many NFL, that at least last year. It's the same. If, the the right. odds of guessing somebody's Bitcoin seed is the same odds hmm. as getting every game against the spread right. Yeah, I know that 256 is in your head. When I, if, when I do all the, the predict the records before the season, you got to get that right. You know, fact checkers will be like, ah, or you have too many wins or whatever. But yeah, you got to make that um, right. That's interesting. I did not put that together with the, the Bitcoin. A real, no, that's a real man predicts every team goes 10 and 6. Yeah, that, that's going to change now with the uh, trying to talk over-unders is all weird now because of the extra game. I don't like it. I don't like it at all, man. I just, it just screws with records, you know, passing yardage totals, just everything. It's just, there's just no reason for it. I, there's no good about it. There's nothing good about it. It's just, it's just stupid. It's going to make them more money, which is why they're doing it, which is understandable. But it's just, as a, someone who covers football, there's nothing good about it at all. I mean, it's also really competitively imbalanced too. You know, now half the teams are playing, you know, one more home game. Right. It's weird, but it's just, I understand why they're doing it. And I won't personally complain. I like more football. I love it and we'll watch it and consume it and gamble and what, whatever, but I hear you. And it's going to be, it'll be weird. And it definitely, I don't know. It might even create some other unforeseen problems like the actual resting or whatever. I don't know. I mean, there could be some, some weird yeah, issues. That's what with I mean. That. Like you get more, but like, look at the NBA, right? The NBA has too many games. So they rest all their players yep. unpredictably. Yep. Greg Ambrosius yep. goes to a game with his kid and all the stars yep. and the bucks are resting. <laughs> I mean, it's just a rip. Yep. So you're getting more football, but more, we obviously know if they made 30 games, it would be lower quality. So there's not some infinite expansion you can do without losing quality. And I would even think 16 might be past that point it's possible that, that the optimal schedule is 12, right? I mean, that could actually be the optimal amount of quality. Yeah, you, you get fewer weeks, but it's so high quality. There's fewer injuries. There's a couple of bye weeks in there. Everybody's healthy. They're going all out. Every game is so important. I mean, that it may be the 12 is optimal. It may be the 16 is optimal, but it's certainly not 30. And so as you go up, yeah, you're going to get more football, but at what cost? What, is there a loss of quality? And I, I would th- think that there is, and you know, maybe go eighteen if you're going to go seventeen, just to even some things up with home road and other things. But it's just, yeah. <laughs> it's just a stupid. It's just stupid. Yeah, I'll probably just add another buy and then add more. You know, that's more revenue there too. At least they got rid of one preseason game. But football, real quick, man. Justin Fields has been revealed to have epilepsy. Do you have any thoughts on that? I was just so sold on him. Um, he went vegan, which of course we don't love, but that might be because of that. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Epilepsy sounds like kind of a serious, serious thing, but I guess medication can control it. Do you have any thoughts on that? I don't know much about epilepsy and I know some people, I think, I I don't want to say this definitively, but I think I've read anecdotally at least that some people have changed their diet and stopped the attacks at least. I don't know if they could never get an attack, but that they've at least put them in remission. So they just don't ever have a fit. I don't want to say I'm a hundred percent sure, but I, I sort of recall reading that depending on diet and you know, yeah, you and I don't think yeah, no, get enough, right, right. you know, nu- nutrition, most of them at least. And playing football, I would not want my rookie quarterback to be a vegan. I, I just feel like football is a rough sport and I, I don't know. I just don't know if, if it's enough nutrition, enough of the, you know, the, the amino acids and the things you need to build muscle and protein 
And uh, it was funny though because I'm you know I'm pretty much I, I I eat a lot of meats and I think it's you know good quality meat is really healthy for you and uh, and fat and protein is really good and it's the carbohydrates that are the the biggest risk. But I was walking my dog in the uh, park near us and there's this uh, Nepalese guy who's friendly and has a dog and it's funny his dog's a puppy but Oscar's really small and his dog just wrestles Oscar and Oscar loses like four out of five of the wrestling matches but keeps coming <laughs> back but he's just not as strong as his dog he's smaller but anyway I started talking with this guy he's friendly speaks English well and he's like yeah I used to eat a lot of meat and I was a, a boxer and Muay Thai and some other martial arts and he did all this stuff and he's like yeah but I He's like, I, I just started um, going vegetarian, and he's like, I feel so much more in my body, not in my brain. Uh, I'm, you know, it, it, it's the, uh, he's saying something about the nervous system, how it sort of, you know, meat, um, you know, in the Ayurvedic medicine, and I don't know, I know a little bit about it, but there's different sort of properties, there's three different kinds of foods and three different kinds of bodies, and if you um, have too much of one kind, you could be very, like, mentally active and, uh neurologically very stimulated in your brain but he's like ever since he became a vegetarian he eats fish now and then but he's mostly eats you know he doesn't eat like red meat he said he felt feels his in his whole body you know not just his 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 head he doesn't just locate himself in his head anymore and he had no agenda he's not woke about anything he he was not like you know it's not like judgment he was just like talking and he was a pretty peaceful guy like i was just you know he's very calm and it's the only time, I swear to God, in the last, I don't know, 20 years that I talked to a vegetarian, pescatarian, vegetarian type of guy where I was like, huh, I'll think about that. I'll look into that a little bit. The only thing that, that turned me off is he said, uh, oh, you should watch the movie The Game Changers, which I've, I've heard about. And it's been like just, they said there's just so much bad data and sort of salesmanship in it. Even vegans and vegetarians have written about that movie. It's like, it's really like, it makes a, a, you know some very sketchy arguments that are not based on science and tries to pass them off. So that sort of turned me off because that movie has like a real agenda. But this guy did not have an agenda. He was just very nice. And it made me think like, oh, maybe all the PD Mangan stuff is true, like in just a sort of blood chemistry health thing, but maybe there's another aspect of it. So I'm not saying I'm going to do that and I haven't really changed my diet much, but it did just sort of, you know, I try to keep an open mind, you know, to things like that. Absolutely. And I could see things being different for every person. It's totally different health wise. And it seems like it's working for him regardless if it physically is or not, at least it is mentally. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'll try to keep an open mind too. Yeah, totally. So I'm not advocating that, but it was just the first time that somebody didn't give me that sort of vegan vegetarian spiel Mm -hmm. with some agenda and some woke, you know, attitude about (laughs) it. And, you know, and I wasn't just immediately like tuned it out and said, yeah, whatever, you know, like didn't even take it seriously. But this guy, just a nice guy, like explaining his experience. And I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Maybe I'll look into it. Always uh, good to learn some wisdom from your elders. I like yeah. No, he's younger than me. That guy's like probably like 28, oh. 30. I don't know how old he's. Oh, <laughs> okay. I was okay. the elder. I was the elder. All right. All right. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so fields, hopefully, uh, epilepsy, um, hopefully, you know, seizures could be uh, dangerous, but then, so we're, we're eight days away from the draft. Um, and I'm definitely, uh, as into that as ever, uh, uh, Trey Lance now being talked about. And yeah, so Mac that's, Jones. that's where we sit with Mac Jones, of course. So, uh, that's where we sit with that. What about you, man? You want to get to the, the main event? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I, probably a lot of the people who listen to the podcast follow me on Twitter and, I know a lot of them do because they were uh, reaching out to me, DMs and in the comments and mentions. It started out with a tweet on Sunday night, I think it was Sunday night, and it was just, you know, I tweet about stuff. I, I don't really, and I try to say stuff that, I try to word it cleverly and have a little impact like so that people will connect with it. So I write, people talk about wearing masks outside to make others feel comfortable, but I'll be honest, when I see that, and it's the majority here, I feel uncomfortable, like I'm surrounded by compliant people who would follow orders to burn me at the stake as a matter of civic duty. And then I followed it up, I replied to it, and I said, so on the one hand, they might feel like they're doing the kind thing, even if there's no scientific basis for it, but be aware that it does not register as kindness to everyone. Seeing people follow arbitrary orders for appearance sake creeps the hell out of me. So that was the two tweets that kind of set off the whole thing. And I get there's this whole like mask, anti-mask bullshit going on that I have zero interest in and I'm probably not very attuned to it because I don't really get into that. I'm not, I'm not politically on like the team of these people or not on the team. So I don't really care. But for me, it was more just like saying, hey, the tail risk for me isn't you're going to spread the disease outside because as far as I can tell, the science says that's not a thing. The tail risk for me is 
you guys know this probably doesn't spread the disease, yet you're doing this anyway. And that kind of arbitrary compliance for signaling purposes to show that you're doing it, even though there's no way to spread a disease, um, that's the kind of shit that creeps me out. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. That's that's telling, actually. You say uh, you just being basically just so it's so not in your consciousness that uh, yeah, I would avoid that just politically. You know what I mean? Like I would just it's a hot button issue right now. I mean it's big big publications like the Atlantic and a couple others have just have said have approached it that subject this very week and it got a ton of, of pushback and, and and blowback. But um yours did as well. I mean it went viral as the kids say and um yeah it got even personal and whatnot. So I mean it's wasn't wasn't great, man. I mean I, even I was getting worked up seeing some of these uh some of these responses. I mean it's, it's yeah. So everyone should absolutely read your Substack that you, you know, give more nuance what you're trying to say. But the pushback I, was... I felt it was nuanced. Like I know people think it was so over the top, but I feel uncomfortable like I'm surrounded. Not I am surrounded, like. It's a simile. Compliant sure, people who sure. would follow orders to burn me at the stake as a matter of civic duty. And it's I feel, you know, it's sort of like I'm a little bit paranoid about this scenario. That's when I see people wearing masks yeah. in a situation where they just don't need them, but they're doing it to make others feel comfortable. To me, that's a little scary. They're following orders, following rules that don't have any scientific basis, as far as I can tell, in order to make others feel comfortable. You know, I don't want to make anyone think that I'm a dangerous person. You know, that's sort of the message. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I don't want to be dangerous. I better not, you know, breathe in the fresh air, even though there's no harm to anybody. Ooh, I'm going to be safe and put them out. That scares me, that behavior. I feel like that tweet conveyed that. And I even spelled it out in the second one. You know, they think they're doing the kind thing, even though there's no basis, but be aware, it doesn't register as kindness to me. It... People following arbitrary orders for appearance sake creeps me out. I felt like it was pretty clear. But you're right. There is this whole backdrop of sort of tribalism where I guess Trump was anti-mask, or at least for a while he was, and a lot of his supporters were. And then, of course, anything Trump says has got to be wrong. So there are all these other people are pro-mask. And the anti-mask people show you studies that say masking doesn't even make any difference anywhere. You see studies that say Florida got rid of the masks in Texas and they're no worse off than California. They're better off. Other people say, no, indoors masking really matters. Or some people have other studies. You know, they have a war of studies, you know. <laughs> but as far as I can tell, I don't know about the indoor. And it doesn't, it's not really an issue because when I'm at a supermarket, I have to wear one to go into the supermarket, but outdoors, I don't wear it because that's, I'm following the science, but people who don't, you know, if you're really terrified, fine, wear the mask outside. But I was specifically talking about people who, who are only wearing it to make others feel comfortable. And to me, that's scary because you're, you're basically saying, I don't want to be seen as harmful. I want you to be comfortable. I don't want you to think I'm harmful, even though you're not harming them. So what happened? So of course, a lot of people were like, implying that this tweet would kill people. I'm not really sure how, since I was talking about outside. I was killing people with these tweets and these guys dunking on me like, oh, I don't wear pants, like making terrible analogies. What if I don't want to wear pants? It creeps me out when people wear pants. Just really not applicable stuff. You know, so I had a little fun back and forth sort of dunking on them. They're dunking on me. It's unpleasant. I feel like the tweet wasn't offensive in my opinion. It was offensive to them maybe because they're in this, you know, mask, anti-mask, religious crusade against each other, but I'm not part of that, but I guess I didn't realize it. So I stepped into it. And, <laughs> and so, okay, fine. It was unpleasant, but I dunk on them, make fun of them, whatever. It's Twitter. I'm a grown up words on Twitter, but then it took a little turn. Uh, one guy, and I, I'm, I'm not gonna give out names or URLs. I didn't even actually honestly remember them. Uh, I, I did screenshot a bunch of them and they were like, when did Rotowire go full QAnon? Obviously, it has nothing to do with what, anything I'm saying, and it's just libel. It's, it's pure libel to put, first of all, to mention RotoWire, which obviously my colleagues see, and second, to bring my job into it at all, and B, to, to libel us. Like, what does this have to do with anything? And, you know, so I called the guy out, and this guy, at first, before he went there, was talking about it's about empathy and all this, and Mr. Empathy basically just 
tries to uh, go to my job and get me, you know, have professional consequences for my this horrible tweet I made, and and then and also libel us. Okay, so that's one. And a couple other guys, I guess they must know Jeff. Jeff's not even in the conversation. Jeff Erickson's just minding his own business, doing his own thing. And these guys go to Jeff, and I only see it because it's in like a, another side thread. And they're like, "Hey, you know, is, is Chris going to delete this tweet? I mean, it doesn't really reflect well on RotoWire." And Jeff's like, "Chris says whatever he wants. What are you talking about? You know, it's, it's got. I don't control Chris's free speech." And they're like, "I know, but you know." And then this other guy's like, "Oh, and you should hear the stuff they talk about on the podcast." And think about mm-hmm. this. These guys disagreed with the content of my tweet. Like, I think it's harmless. They didn't. That's fine. Okay, it's a disagreement. They have a different opinion than I do. Fine. Some guys dunked on me and were dicks about it. Okay, that's annoying. I don't like that. Fine. It's Twitter, right? You want to be a dick? Be a dick. Um, I can block, mute, whatever. It's no big deal. Um, if you don't like what I'm saying, you could just block, mute, unfollow me, right? I mean, it's just it's in my feed. I don't follow these guys. I'm not in their thread or... I'm not like responding to them or going to them. These guys went into my feed. I don't even know who they are. And they quote tweet me and they start dunking on me. And then they come to Jeff and they try to imply, you know, that little like, well, I just don't know how it looks for the site. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, what are they trying to do? They're trying to say, look, man, like this guy is, is a problem for you. You need to, to talk to him. You know, this is, this is a, you know, how they, people are terrified of the social media mob because it's vicious, right? What are they really trying to do? They're going after me economically. They want, me, they want to cause harm to me and my family economically in real life. So they disagree with my tweet, okay, um, that I'm tweeting, you know, I don't follow them. I don't know them. And they're trying to, from the tweet, and, you know, again, the tweet is, people talk about wearing masks outside to make others feel comfortable, but I'll be honest, when I see that, and it's the majority here, I feel uncomfortable, like I'm surrounded by compliant people who would follow orders to burn me at the stake as a matter of civic duty. I get paranoid as hell, in other words, when I see people doing compliant stuff that has no scientific basis just to make others feel comfortable. That makes me uncomfortable. That was the tweet. And for that tweet, these guys are trying to, to honestly cause real life harm to my family and me. So that's an act to me of, of aggression. And I was like, I know this happens. People are angry. There's, there's a lot of hateful people out there. But like, really? You're going you're gonna to try to harm me and my family because I made a tweet you didn't like that you could easily just ignore, unfollow, block, whatever. You don't want to see my tweets anymore. You have to come in and try to harm me. And so when I see somebody do something like that, you, you really have a choice, right? You either can say, okay, uh, I'm going to delete this tweet and I better not talk about this kind of stuff. Or you can you know, say, look, I, I don't accept that. I don't accept that. I reject that you are the arbiter of what kind of discourse we can have in this country or in this world, on this platform. It's not up to you to say what is acceptable and what's not. If I want to tweet something, it's in public. People see it. And it's not up to you to silence me with economic threats for the tweet I made. It's just not, you're just not the arbiter of what can be said. And the fact that you would tattletale on me in such a cowardly way, to me, it's just, and, 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 but what you're doing by tattletaling is you're not even man enough to, to take, on, take me on. You're, you're trying to quietly, behind the scenes, cause me harm. Why would someone be so sick and, and hateful to do something like that? And I got into it with another guy who was like, well, you know, when your tweets are actually causing real-life death to people, then you know, measures are needed or whatever. Then, I, then it hit me. I was like, oh, this guy somehow has, has gotten in his head that my tweet is, is killing people, is literally killing people. And he thinks that we're having like a life and death discussion right now on Twitter. Like, uh, he's saving lives, I'm killing lives. Okay. So, so think about it. If I'm actually killing people with my tweets, with the tweet that I just told you, that I get super freaked out when people are complying for no reason. That's my feeling of paranoia when people are complying. If that tweet is killing people, I'm, I'm a killer on the loose, right? Like, I'm a dangerous person. I tweet things like this. Well, going after my job is like a very mild thing, really. I mean, if, Dalton, if you're a killer, I really have every... I, I'm obligated to do much more than just go after your job, right? I mean, I need to go after you, maybe imprison you, physically stop you, right? I mean, I might have to physically stop... I might have to put you in a prison where you can't have access to the internet. I mean, if, you're kill, if your tweets are literally killing people, what measures am I justified in taking? And I don't know the extent to which they just say that or believe that, but they behave as though they are justified. They're not just trying to destroy my livelihood. They're, they're doing it righteously. They're feeling good about doing it, like they're doing the right thing. 
And that is scary. That is dangerous and it's sick. Do you think um, most of the people are truly offended or is it a show or, or, or what, what is it? Do you think that really did truly offend people or, or do you think it's more of a, uh, I don't know. I don't know what, what's going on here because that, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's all crazy. Cause I mean, it just to get to, 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 for that tweet to, to result in, you know, what it did is just kind of wild times we live in. Right. And they're always trying to say, Oh, you're complaining. You, you tweeted that. If you want to be a, an asshole or a troll, I'm never going to screenshot your tweets. I'm never going to, I mean, I may quote tweet you and mock you back, but I'm never going to write a Substack post about being trolled. I'm talking about guys tattletailing on me in the most cowardly fashion, like to my business partner and trying to affect my livelihood over a tweet and then the tweet that I read. It's not a tweet disparaging vulnerable people or, mm. you know, it's not a, a racist tweet or something like that. This is just a disagreement these guys had and they went and they tried to, to damage my livelihood on purpose. And the hatefulness, I understand where it comes from now, is they, they think they've somehow equated as you're a killer. I need to stop you. And therefore, and your question is what, do they really believe that's that you're a reasoning. killer? Well, that's the reason he says, he says, if your rhetoric, this other guy says, if your rhetoric destroys another person's actual life, I'd say people might be justified in attempting to stop that. It's a larger stake. Okay, so he said it. They think this results in deaths, what you're saying. So even though <laughs> the Atlantic just published the same damn thing, you know, every, this is like a ma- the Washington Post published the same damn thing, that outdoor, and, and just scientifically, this is, is the evidence. Yeah, We're not even literally. allowed to talk about the science because it's causing deaths, in their opinion. And I, I just think they have this opinion because they were told this because Trump had the opposite opinion. I mean, I, scientifically, it doesn't matter whether Trump was for it or against it. That's not a scientific basis. Whether Trump was for it or against it or whether your tribe was for it or against it doesn't matter. What matters is scientifically what's actually going on. And as far as I can tell from the overwhelming evidence, outdoor spread at distance is really not a thing. So, but forget about, but that's not even the point, right? I'm not really here to debate the, uh, the danger of outdoor spread. I, I think the bigger point is, okay, you disagree. You might think it is a thing. Fine. Yeah, I mean, you, there's probably some studies that show that or somebody that thinks that. It's fine. This is, this is a, a disagreement and you're coming after me with aggression. And, and I, I really want people, if you want to see, it's at Chris underscore list, the threads are all there. If you want to see the people, I'm just saying, this is, the, you know, their words are there. I mean, I didn't, you know, I'm not going to their bosses. Actually, one of my followers added one of their bosses, and I told him to delete it. I DM'd him, I said, just delete that. I was like, I don't need to tattletale to his boss. I'm just going to hang him with his own words. You know, I'm just going to let the public record show. This is what these guys do. And so... Uh, you asked, do they really, are they really offended genuinely or is it just a, a, a show thing, like a, just a, a signaling thing, right? You just asked that before? Yeah, right. And, and I think it's, it is a signaling thing, but I think that people like that, they take their beliefs almost completely from what other people around them think. So it's a fine line to say, do they really believe that or are they just doing it for show? They believe what they need to believe for show. Do you see? I mean, it's, it's mixed. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you and I, right? We live in society, right? And it would probably be easier for me in my job just to like have the party line belief, orange man bad, and it would just be easier, right? We'd get less pushback. We'd get it's what it would make in our circles. It'd be easier. And instead, I'm sort of like I don't give a shit about the orange man. He's just never. It's just not an important part of my life. It doesn't, it doesn't have a huge impact in my moral universe. It's just some douchebag who had a reality show of a presidency for four years. But, but to, to fit in, it would be better to believe that he was like the embodiment of evil, right? That would be a belief that would make things go more smoothly in my circles. So I think a lot of these people, they've just sort of learned, were raised, learned, to believe what it is that's most advantageous to, for them socially and professionally. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. That's a good answer. Yeah. And does. so, and, and so when, they, when they see something that's sort of outside of that box, that's, you know, the bad thing, saying that, you know, masking outside is, is threatening you, then they're outraged, but they're outraged because they've learned to be outraged, to perform that outrage, to get clout and get along. That's my, that's my view. 
And then there are, and there'll be, there'll be people that will jump right behind it. That'll definitely, you can confidently know people will agree with that view too. You know what I mean? Like they'll, they'll, it'll totally agree. with. That's why they have that view. Like literally what people who agree with is the basis for their beliefs. And I read a really interesting essay about this called Mundi and Modia. This guy wrote it. He's basically like some people are in the world of humans where what's true is what people think is true. The fashions, the styles, the beliefs, the, you know, what's true is, of course, that the, the good people are the good guys and the bad guys are the bad guys. And then other people are more in the realm of physics and science. And he, he didn't disparage the, the people version. I probably mentioned this before. He, just, he said it's important for lots of different relationships and, and things. But he, you know, said he leaned more toward the science thing. And I, I feel like I'm a little harsher on the people part of it. It's fine to be uh, friendly with your colleagues or personable. But I feel it's very important to have your beliefs determined by as best as you can tell the truth, reality, science, facts, not what's in fashion, what everybody else believes. What's advantageous for me to believe to get ahead as far as I can tell? Yeah. Um, yeah, it sucks that Trump's gone and it's still the same exact divisiveness, like this craziness in that aspect there that it's just you're on one side or the other. Um, and did you notice that some of those, uh, that some comments were made about the people you're calling out who, who, who called, uh, you know, your job into question. People were like, Oh, of course it's so-and-so, you know, they're a part of team good. They do this uh, consistently or whatever, you know, okay. did well, you notice that? Not only did I notice that, you know, the, the tweet had like, I mean, I don't likes or whatever, but like, you know, it was 10 to one likes to comments. And I would say most of the comments were positive, even though most people comment are angry, you know, when they comment. So it was like, oh, yeah. and then when, you know, when I started getting the pushback and fighting with these guys, there was like a million people just weighing in, you know, I mean, I had to block people. So there was obviously people who <laughs> were not weighing in on my side. So I blocked, you know, probably 20 people, but there was uh, but there were a lot of people weighing in. And then the DMs, my DMs were just filled with things from prominent people that you, you probably might know of saying, Hey man, you're my hero. I wish I could tweet this, but I can't, you know, professionally I can't, I feel like a coward but I'm really glad you're doing this. I mean, the DMs were lighting up. And it was like, and I was like, thanks, I appreciate that. And he's like, I'm so sorry you're dealing with this. And I was like, don't feel sorry for me. Feel sorry for them. Because you know what happened with orbits, <laughs> right? You know what happened though. You know what happened with this. It's, oh, yeah. If, yeah. I mean, look, I'm not just totally on you know, my own to just go totally uh, scorched earth. But you, you know how I am with these kind of things. An injustice is an injustice, right? You want to disagree or whatever, that's fine. You know, you want to be an asshole on Twitter, it's fine. You want to start causing harm to me and my family over a tweet? Really? You're going to come at me like that? Aggression? Steal from me? Take what I've earned, the value I've created, and try to come and take it from me because you don't agree with me? You think that's a valid thing to do? And then, you know, I'll, I'll talk about the post, but, the, you know, these people that were, they were like, I'm scared to tweet. I mean, there, there's so many guys that were like, listen, I'm scared to do this. I mean, think about a climate where people are scared to even support what I said publicly. There was a lot of people who did anyway, but there were dozens of people who privately said, I'm sorry, I want to say something, but, you know, and I, and I, I get it because you don't yeah. want the hassle. You don't oh, yeah. want your boss talking to you. You don't want to get fired. You don't want to oh, yeah. not be able to pay your bills because a couple of guys thought, I'm going to police the discourse. I'm in charge of what can and can't be said. And these, these guys aren't, and if you look at how Twitter is, there's a few people who maybe they're, you know, have more security in their job or, or whatever that, that speak openly. But most people just keep it very vanilla, unless it's totally in the party line, unless it's, you know, the, you're saying the thing you're allowed to say. And then they'll dunk on somebody and mercilessly bully them. I mean, anyway, so, the, so a lot of people reached out and were like, you're, you're my hero. I'm so glad you're speaking out. I wish I could. So, you know, the original tweet, People, a lot of people are like, well, I get what you're saying, but you're just being so paranoid. It's not like that. And I wrote another subsec post called Compliance, which is like, well, maybe I'm just being paranoid. It's possible, but I mean, people are scared to just voice any opinion on Twitter. They're just afraid to like talk about anything. I disagree. I think mass this. I think mass. It's just an opinion. You're not murdering anybody. Words aren't murder. We disagree. We can debate this. We are in a climate where people aren't able to just express ideas, to speak, you know, what they believe. So much so that people are, one guy just said, to the compliance piece, he he wrote, yeah, that's why I have an anonymous Twitter handle. I would never tweet under my own name. Like, everybody's terrified. So we have an environment where everybody's terrified to say anything. And you feel it. I feel it. I said one, I mean, come on, pretty innocuous thing. 
and people are trying to go after my job because of it. And then, and, and I'm kind of thinking, well, maybe I'm not so paranoid. Maybe they could have proven me wrong by ignoring it, you know, by laughing and saying, ha, that's a crackpot idea. That's ridiculous. And nobody doing anything. And I'd be like, oh, maybe I'm just being paranoid. But the opposite happened. These guys were like, not only, this guy's killing people by saying this, and not only, you know, am I going to disagree or unfollow him or block him or whatever, I'm going to try to cause real economic harm to him and his family in real life. And then I'm like, okay, this is a real environment. And people know it. That's why they're not tweeting. 100%. Yeah. I, I was curious your motivation behind the, the tweet, but I guess it, it was just totally innocuous is the answer to that, is that you weren't looking into getting into a debate on Twitter about it all, I guess. Because I know part of you said that you feel better when you talk about it. So like, I'm too lazy to get in these debates too. Yes, there's a real worry about it too. That that really exists. But part of me also is like, I don't know, I'm just, I don't really want to get confrontational over, over Twitter. But I don't know, is part of it, you it is cathartic, you talking about it and maybe t- teaching? Because uh, I, even though I don't want to do it, I like admire people that are willing to like put their neck out and, and deal with all the, the crap of backlash. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's, it's a certain something about that. That's certainly admirable, like for sure. Well, I, the, my approach is I have a following of 17,000 people or whatever. And I think it's a lot of them. It's not like, uh, you know, most people have unfollowed who don't actually like what I'm saying, but you know, there's always new ones to unfollow, but and I feel like, you know, I'm almost 50 in a week or two, and I've got some observations I want to express. I, I feel like I yeah. have knowledge to share. You know, I go down sure. rabbit holes. I read a lot. I try to make my case about things, and I've learned a lot from other people who do the same thing. You know, I'm, I read Glenn Greenwald all the time. I learned so much from the guy just about mm-hmm. how things work, and I just learn from him, and I, I love that he's willing to say the truth as far as he sees it. Yeah. Nobody, nobody right. knows, you know, everybody does their best who's being earnest. You do your best. And I feel like I want to do that. I have an obligation as a human being to do that, and especially in a time where you're not allowed to do it, where people need to see an example of somebody's willing to tell things like they are, to say what they really think. Now, I can be mistaken. I, was, I didn't think Biden would win the nomination, let alone the president. I've been wrong about a lot of things. But when I, at the time it was an earnest opinion, it wasn't just some talking point I was trying to say. I really thought that. Um, and so I think it's important. And I don't like this. I, don't, I didn't want pushback. I like retweets. I like likes. Yeah. I like, absolutely, I feel the same way. I'm getting paranoid of this. There's way too much compliance. There's way too much fear. There's way too much hate. Where someone will go, the hateful people that would try to take your job because they disagree, this is not an acceptable state of affairs. Dissent is not permiss- permitted outside a very narrow window, a permissible by whom? You know, by the oligarchy, the corporate people who are generating these messages, I don't know exactly who it's coming from, but there's this very narrow window of, it's a narrowing window of what you can say. And I don't like that. And I feel like someone has to speak out. And if not me, then who? You know what I mean? I'm one of the owners of the company. I'm, you know, older. I feel I'm in Portugal. Right, I mean, yeah. you know, I am an yeah. independent minded person. Oh, totally. If not me, then who? Right? If not me, yeah. then who? And, yeah. you know, yeah. so you have to have a little courage. I don't like it. I don't like these people misinterpreting me deliberately, insulting me, trying to embarrass me. I don't like that. Of course I don't like that. But that's not, even that, as much as that's just kind of gross behavior, it's, it's when you start to try to harm me in real life, you know, that, that you're really crossing a line. I mean, it's, I can't emphasize how disgusted with that behavior people are. I mean, the messages I got were like, that kind of behavior it just disgusts me so much to try to destroy the public square, to destroy creativity, destroy um, sort of the marketplace of ideas, destroy the vibrancy of, of our culture and our back and forth, the, the ability to uh, find truth through um, adversarial positions, uh, to destroy that and to, and to be like a little minder from, you know, in a North Korean uh, police state and be watching what other people say in their feeds. They're not following you. It'd be one thing if I jumped into their feed and started harassing them and arguing with them about something they were doing and ceasing their boss or something. No, I, I was just, I don't even follow those guys. I don't know those guys. So to me, like, I, I just want to emphasize so much, like how gross this behavior is. And it's got such a chilling effect on the discourse. I mean, I'm telling you, I got a million messages like this and, and many people are disgusted by it. So if you feel, you know, sort of worried and disgusted, you are not alone. There's, I mean, I cannot tell you how many messages and I'm not going to obviously name anybody. There was some nice stuff also that came out of this guy. I want to get I want to get some names on this podcast. A couple guys subscribed. They said, "Well, one, one guy, and I got to get his name because it's it's hilarious." Um, but he was so disgusted with 
what was going on that he he only has a score sheet league. He doesn't really need RotoWire to score sheet. Uh, James Ferguson. He says, I hate to pay for such things since I play in one score sheet league with no cash prize. doesn't even have a cash prize. But I feel it's important to support those who stand up to the woke mob. And another guy, Keith Schneider, said, subscribe without taking the free trial. A real man never subject himself to something that could prevent catastrophic consequences. You know, these guys are subscribing to support the fact that, you know, I didn't just knuckle over. And, and they, anyway, it's really nice. I mean, you know, James... You don't need to renew like this. You know, if you don't need the product, that's really nice. But, uh, you know, no, we found, we found your, we found your motivation. Sign up. Rotowire sign well, up. It's funny. It's funny. No, but you're right. You're right. But it's fun. It is funny because, uh, and I'm going to say this in earnest, uh, because my partners are cool and like, you know, we're friends and we know each other forever and they know that I'm also not going to cross the line in terms of saying something truly offensive, attacking a vulnerable group or something. You know, I w- that's not me. And, so, so, okay. But at the same time, you know, when you, when you speak the truth on Twitter and, and publicly, there can be backlash or attempted backlash. And so if you agree with this and you think it's important and James like went the extra mile, but, and you actually have a fantasy team and you do fantasy sports. So you're right. <laughs> Rotowire is a great product. Rotowire.com slash pod. Be nice if you said why, you know, if, if you signed them because the real man, what are the, or the um, Twitter thing or whatever. But the point is, um, rotowire.com slash pod you can sign up 10 free days don't need a credit card you sign up and um and it just goes a long way to being like well yeah this is actually this controversy is actually good you know it's actually it's actually a good thing you know it's it's good to stand up for yourself because i think that message is also good not just yeah you're not going to push me around by doing a horrible behavior like that at the same time it's good to send a message to the business like yeah people stand up for themselves it's not just okay yeah we'll take the hit business-wise to have integrity, but it's actually like people respect it. So if you want to send that message and I'm not saying don't just do it to donate money to us. I'm not uh, raising money. And you have, you know, it is a great fantasy site. It's the best one. It's the best one. And rotowire.com slash pod. Maybe a lot of you already subscribe, so there won't be that many of you. But if you want to sign up, this would be a great time to do it. But if you don't want to sign up or you already signed up or you, you or, or you don't play fantasy that much or whatever, you don't need it, uh, you can feel free to like it on iTunes or comment or you know, whatever, because, you know, I think a lot of times these people try to attack you thinking they can deter you. And the best response is they give it the absolute opposite effect where it's like, oh, you just generated 50 perfect ratings. By the way, this podcast does have a five star rating, uh, despite one of these guys giving it a one star a long time ago, one of the same sort of characters who tries to go after your business when he disagrees with you. And because all these people were fed up with it. And so, you know, you can support it and sort of just make this kind of thing backfire badly. Oh, good. Great. Thank you for giving me a hundred new Substack readers. Oh, a hundred new, uh, RotoWire subscribers, you know, all these great ratings on the podcast, passing the podcast to other people. That's really nice. See, um, that, that's actually even more effective because it's like, yeah, we're benefiting from this. We're anti-fragile. You come at us. We're going to stand our ground. We're going to say, we're going to show people who you are, what you are, what you're doing. And we're going to say, and you know what, if you support that kind of, you know, action and, and standing up for yourself, well, maybe, you know, maybe it's good for business too. So that's, that, you know, that would be nice. That's not why I do it, but uh, I, you know, <laughs> I could see it. The only guy I actually give money online to is uh, Glenn Greenwald. I give him, uh, you know, like five bucks a month for his sub stack. And, and I do it because he does, he does this in a way he was in Brazil with a dictator president who wanted him killed. Basically. I mean, he does it in a way he was in Hong Kong with Edward Snowden, you know, who's escaped with CIA stuff, you know, or the NSA documents, you know, he was in the Hong Kong. I mean, you know, he's risking his life. So I don't want to compare myself to him. It's a very, very poor man's version, but you know, I, I contribute to his, his uh, Substack because I feel like I, I want to you know vote for that with my money. And it is true. You are in a unique position and I absolutely love that you do put yourself out on the line and do speak your mind. And I'm glad to also hear that there's so much positive feedback. If it's, even if it's hidden, it's, it's so, I mean, it's, it's not even hidden. I mean, there's replies and stuff. People don't really know. I think it was, uh, it was Rudy or somebody's like, Oh, come on. You knew you were poking the bear. Like, you know, that was, da-da. and I was trying to be like, he's like, you could have phrased it differently. I'm like, no, I'm not going to censor myself because the mob might come after me. I'm not going to do that. And, and it wasn't, you know, it was well received. It was like 10 to one positive. You just that when I'm fighting with people, I'll like quote, tweet the, 
the haters. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm not right. quote, yeah. tweeting all the positive. If I tweeted a million of those, then that's all you would see. But in, in some ways, yeah, yeah. the haters help you frame your point better. The haters helped me write three Substack posts, which I felt really articulated something I was already feeling. I really just felt very locked in writing those and very, it was very easy. They just came out. Um, I feel like this podcast is going to get a lot of listens as a result. I think we're going to get some signups. I mean, I, I feel like this is, this battle is good. And, you know, in the end, like, you know, nothing happened to me, but it's just the intention that's so dirty and, and the way it's making people unable to even express themselves. And they would take yeah. it. They'd, t- they'd come after me. They would take everything I had, you know, if, if they could, they would. And, and just to think of the mentality of that, you know, the, the, just the lack of human decency. So that's, that's, that's it, man. I, I feel pretty, uh, you know, I, I feel like, uh, yeah. you know, I'm trying to say as clear as I can, I just want people to know who those people are. When you see a person fantasy baseball industry, any industry, trying to destroy somebody for a difference of opinion, go to their work, know who you're dealing with. That is the person you cannot trust, right? Because that's the person who's so desperate to comply and belong that, that they're, they're, they're so convinced of their righteousness about policing the other person that, that they will, and this is, this is the fear that I have. And I wrote a, a Substack. I mean, we can talk about it next week because we can't talk. We're almost, you know, we've gone on for a while. But <laughs> called compliance. And then another thing that I kept hearing was, no, dude, it's a matter of empathy. And I wrote one called empathy and what empathy is and what empathy is not. Empathy is not doing things so that other people won't be uncomfortable. Basically, oh no, I don't want to. I'm not harmful. See, I've got my mask. That's not empathy. Empathy is feeling with somebody, getting what they're talking about, connecting with their experience as a human being. And if you felt empathy for people, you'd say, wow, this person really needs, I feel their fear, and it's terrible that they can't even breathe in the fresh air. They need to get over that. And I'm not going to, keeping them comfortable is not empathy. Empathy is, I'm going to set an example, breathe in the fresh air, smile at them, be friendly when they scowl at me, and that's empathy with them. And when you have, when you, most people don't have empathy, they use the word, have empathy, they mean they be, they're basically just justifying their own, um, the, their, the behaviors that, that their tribe rewards. And so I, I, wrote a, I wrote a piece on it. We don't have to go into the whole thing here, but the word empathy is, is misused terribly. The guy used the word empathy who called Rotowire QAnon, who basically libeled us, and it's, it's phony. There's, there's a real thing of empathy, and it's very important to have, but it's not, it's not what these guys are talking about. So compliance, empathy, and then, of course, pushback, which is... Well, we went over um, most of this podcast. Yeah, you're a content machine. I haven't read the latest two just because they were today, but I will do that right after we record here. You know, it must have been an eventful week uh, and a crazy week, Liz, if we just recorded an entire podcast with Bitcoin not yet even uh, uh-huh. mentioned yet. So when it, it must been, have been a wild well, week. <laughs> not only not mentioned, it's down to 53.9 as we're talking. Yeah, it's, and, I know. And there's some fun out there, too. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I don't know exactly. I think like a Chinese, like in China somewhere, there was floods and it, it uh, took a coal plant offline and that shut down a lot of the mining. So the hash rate went down. Um, and I'm not sure how that all connects, but basically I think that was the sort of shock to the system yeah. that dropped it. Uh, I don't really sweat the FUD that much anymore. There's, there's a great debate. I was watching Michael Saylor debate this gold guy, Frank Justra or something, and the guy's kind of smart. He basically gives the standard objections, but he's not an idiot about it. But Saylor's just, I just think he's a, a machine. I just think he destroys him because it's just so clinically, logically, an engineer's mind, like explaining the, the workings of a great machine that he understands better than the other guy. It's incredible. It's, I, I would recommend it. I mean, it's preaching to the choir with you already, but... It's pretty badass. I got it up right now. I see it up right now in the background. Okay. I'll it's like two hours. I watched like the first 53 minutes before this podcast. And I was just like, it just sailed. When you listen to Michael Saylor, it, it gets you back. If you're starting to feel the anxiety about the FUD, Michael Saylor will be yeah. right back on course. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, yes, that's right. No, 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 no. What was I even thinking? Honestly, you know, who's number one for me is your guy, Nick Carter. Uh, he just absolutely eviscerated a New York Times column. Um, oh. He's just, I, that guy is smart, and I, I, I really appreciate him. Nick Carter is so sharp. He and Saylor, the two marks, are, they're clear thinkers. And to me, that's such a, when a guy has a clear thinking mind, and he can just say it without all of the noise, yep. it's like, yep. boom, you just get it right away. You know, I listen to those guys, and yeah, Nick Carter's excellent. I recommend following yeah. Sailor and Carter. They are the two best, I think. Yeah. And, yeah. and they're just, you know, and Carter's like 28 or something. He's like a kid. 
and a sailor's like a little bit older than me, but, um, yeah, they're just, they're just, it's, it's hard, you know, you know, you have to go. And and I think, you know, like we don't know, we're just, again, a couple of dudes that just lose money in the super contest every year as I like to describe (laughs) us. But, but like, I really feel like when you start getting doubts, it's like, well, these people think this, but those people think this, and you're just sort of weighing different opinions. But, you know, what do you do? It's like, well, let's go down to the first principles and rebuild the case from the ground up. What money is, what, you know, the fiat system is, what money, you know, inflation is, what's going on in the economy. You know, you build it back up. What money needs to have, have happened, what the technology can do. You know, the basic fundamentals about it rather than, well, what if the government shuts it down? What about China? What about that? You know, this kind of stuff is, you end up just looking at, oh, well, you know, Nassim Taleb doesn't like it, although he, he took his tweets private. I think the Bitcoiners just destroyed him. Um, because, uh, and then, uh, and then, oh, wow. yeah, he just to- totally took him private. Uh, so <laughs> I think they were just, it was just like relentless. But, yeah. but anyway, you know, oh, he, Nassim Taleb doesn't like it, but this guy does like it. I don't know, you know, and don't do that. That's, that's not the way to go. Go, go and, Michael Saylor is good, not because, oh, he's smart. Look at him. It's because he makes the case from the first principles up. He, he, this, this discussion is so good. He just builds it from like the foundations up. And you're like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course this is correct. It is self-evidently correct when you put it that way. All right, I'll definitely check it out. That's funny about Taleb. I didn't know he did that. I, I know there was another column coming out uh, this week that was like totally going against him. But um Poor I think he's a substack. I mean, he's, he's a dick. I mean, he's a total cantankerous. He insults people. But, you know, he, totally. he wrote those books. I, I've gotten so many ideas from him. There, there's one guy who was like, I just refuse to believe the same person that wrote those books is the human being running the Twitter account. They got to him. <laughs> They're like, they got to him. <laughs> because it's like, he started praising Jeff Bezos a couple of months ago. Thanks to Jeff Bezos, I was able to publish my books. And it was like, wait, what? You're thanking Jeff Bezos? Like, what are you doing? And he added Jeff Bezos. It was like, are you kidnapped by the CIA and you're trying to tell us something? Like, I, you know, those tweets are like, write a tweet that would let people know that you're kidnapped and seeking help. You know, it was like one of those tweets. Right. But I don't know. You know, it, it might just. Be. I mean, it's been revealed. He never even read the Bitcoin Standard when he and he wrote the, the forward to it. I mean, yeah, it's seeming seemingly some fraudulent type behavior like and, that. And he calls out so many other people for being frauds for not reading his article or his book before criticizing him, which is probably true. But it's like I don't know. It doesn't really matter who the man is, right? It's. I feel sad that he's. That, you know that, that this is happening and he's this guy because the books are. The, I have actually bought his books, but I've read a lot of excerpts on Twitter and they're they're amazing. Yeah. Like the ideas are great. It is what it is. It's not my problem, but it's just it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this is definitely a tenuous. I mean, yeah, Bitcoin right now. Yeah, it's funny that we didn't mention it because yeah, it's not maybe because we did because it's going the wrong way. Maybe that's why we ignored it because it's we it's not out. going the way this week. Well, yeah, that's what I see. That's right. I don't look at the standings when I'm doing badly. When I'm doing well, I'm like, check out the standings. <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, of course, right? Everyone's totally. like that. Totally. totally. Speaking of losing money, we got to check out here this long podcast. But uh, speaking of losing money, I'm, cr- I'm a crazy man list, but the family talked me into it. You know, we had a Disneyland trip booked for last April. Obviously, COVID hit. Um, I'm not, not even my my daughter who, um, is she, is she eight? Yeah. She turned eight. Yeah. Uh, is, is gone yet. So son's four daughters, eight, we booked a trip, uh, for, um, when is it in June? Um, probably crazy during a pandemic. I don't know, but it's going to be limited capacity overpriced and, uh, yeah, planning on, on going through that. And the car ride there with my children, that might be the biggest hell of all, but, um, I'm kind of a kid when it comes to that and I'm kind of looking forward to it. But what are your thoughts? I'm sure you're a Disneyland guy. No doubt Liz, right? I actually used to go there a lot, not really to the park, but like inside it because I used to do these ESPN hits and they had like an ESPN. Oh, Michael show. Kim, right? Was it with Michael, Michael Kim, Kim and uh, Brian Kinney? Th- that was before. That was in like the LA studio, but th- okay. I mean, that wasn't live. It was, you know, in it, they have these remote studios, but there was a remote studio in like an ESPN sports zone thing that was in Disney. Like, and so I would go to this like sports, it was like a sports bar and I would go and, you know, do the shoot there. They'd have like a camera person, whatever. And so I went there all the time, but I never actually went. My brother went a few years ago, and he said it was so expensive. He's like, he told his daughters, we're only doing this once. It's like such a rip, but kids like it. I mean, it's a huge business for some reason, so I'm sure they'll like it, you know, but I'm not. Yeah, my wife. My wife had to spend all day, you know, on, online. It's real hard because it's limited, to, you know, capacities. It's hard to get the tickets and all that. Was yeah, this is going to be one? It's going to yeah. be a mess. But yeah, it's going to be a surf. All right, man. You got anything else TV wise? Anything else you're uh, dealing with? 
No, that's uh, the Oscars are Sunday night, so we'll talk about that um, afterward. My my promising young woman. Let's see if it wins. But no, I think Nomadland's going to win. Have you, have you seen any of those movies at all? Like Nomadland's kind of. I, I don't know. I'm curious. Do What's Nomadland? Who's in that? It's probably going to win. Francis McDormand. Oh, I is saw probably that. Win. I saw that. I saw that. It was pretty good. Yeah. I thought it was good. Favorite. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I thought it was movie, good yeah. because it was just. It wasn't like amazing, but it was just like it was a story, and it had like sort of a deep theme about what is important and it wasn't preachy. There was no like, there's, there was no like phoniness about it. It was just a story, you know, there was no pandering at all. That's what I liked about it. And a type of world that I really had no clue about, you know, that existed and some interesting stuff about Walmart, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's the favorite to win, but, uh, uh, that's all. That's all I got for your list. Good, good times. And, um, yeah, man, you, you hang in there. You hang in there, man. <laughs> I mean, people are like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, feel sorry for that. All right, man. Appreciate it. P- appreciate you risking your job every time you come on this podcast. Yeah, no doubt. Thank you. I'm glad you do. All right, man. Okay. Right. Later, Take, let's- take it easy. Don't.